Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Today, we're going to be looking at water baptism, the initial act of obedient faith. Water baptism, the initial act of obedient faith. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 41. These are actually the first baptisms that occurred after the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And so we want to learn from this text. I'll be reading the New International Version. Uh, They'll all be up on the screen. Hear now the words of our living God. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So in a few minutes, we're going to have a water baptism. We have our baptismal up here and we're going to do this. And if you step back, let's just step back for those of us who haven't, you know, who've seen water baptisms many times, this can seem kind of crazy. I mean, isn't this like a relic of a bygone era? We're going to take Wyatt and he's going to get in the water and we're going to put him under the water and do this. It it strikes you when you remove it from the fact that we see it a fair amount in the church. Uh, Why do we do this? Is this some kind of just old ancient ritual that, you know, we've, we've given up all kinds of other old rituals. Why is it that the church for thousands of years has taken people and put them in the water and baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ? Why does the church do this? And is it something that's really important for believers today, or is it just kind of an option? You could do it, you could not do it. Um, what, what is it about water baptism? Well, that's what we want to look at today, water baptism, the initial act of obedient faith. Now, our text in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, begins with a gospel call, okay? Because water baptism is intimately related to the call of the gospel. It begins with God's law and his gospel confronting us with our sin. Notice in verse 36, Peter is speaking to his believers, and uh, apparently he did not graduate from how to win friends and influence people because the conclusion to his sermon is this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So they're sitting there, and Peter tells them, you are the ones who crucified Jesus. Now, the fact is, this is the conclusion of his sermon on Pentecost Day, but the fact is regarding this, some of the people there had physically been involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. Some of them had had conspired in it. Some of them had actually been there as the crucifixion was going on. And so it was a factual thing. And in a sense that Peter could say then that we can't say today that those people actually participated in the crucifixion of Jesus. 
But the reality is we know that at least 3,000 people responded to it, and there's nothing in the gospel account that makes it appear that 3,000 people were there crying out for him to be crucified or standing at the crucifixion site. So many of the people in the crowd had not actually been there and been participating directly, physically, in the crucifixion of Jesus. But Peter's also making a deeper point. It's not just that they had physically been part of it. Peter is saying, all of you, every one of you here are guilty for the crucifixion and the death of the Son of God. And the reason of this is because your sins led to his crucifixion. To put it in Paul's terms, I won't put this scripture up on the screen, but in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul says that regarding the gospel, he says, this is the gospel I handed to you. This is the, the most important thing. Jesus died for our sins, according to the scripture. And that for our sins means because of our sins. It's your sin and my sin that necessitated the death of the Son of God. And Peter is pointing out the same thing to the crowd there that day. Now, this has been responded to in various ways throughout history. I'll show you a piece of artwork right now uh, coming up. If you can go ahead and move the screen, Beth. This is Rembrandt's painting of the crucifixion. And if you notice, you can see Rembrandt liked a lot of dark. But you can see that what's really lit up is the cross itself. And then down below, there's a guy wearing what does not appear to be first century garb. And that's because Rembrandt painted himself into the painting. Because what he's saying there is exactly what Paul said, that he died for our sins because of our sins, and exactly what Peter said. It's my sins that led to the death of Christ. And so Rembrandt correctly paints himself into the picture, not as one who's objecting to the crucifixion, but one who is responsible for the crucifixion. And so it is today. Every one of us here are guilty of the death of Christ because of our sins. If you didn't have sin and I didn't have sin, the Son of God would not have to have been crucified. So that's the first point that Peter makes. Secondly, he goes on, he says, but this Christ is Lord of all. So notice in verse 36, therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So his first point is, Jesus has been raised from the dead and he is Lord of all. That's been Peter's whole point in the sermon is the resurrection of Jesus. And we need to hear, as Christians, we think of the resurrection and we go, yay, and we cheer and Easter Sunday and isn't it wonderful. But to the first hearers of Peter's proclamation, this is not good news, okay? It's like you're in a movie and you've killed someone and you think you've accomplished something and then they get up from the dead. Do you realize at that point, I'm in trouble? I put them to death and it didn't work. That would seem to be the final thing, but they've actually raised back up and I now have to deal with them realizing I can't put them to death. And that's exactly how it hears to them. Uh, to, to the hearers there, what, what comes into their ears is Jesus has been raised from the dead and not only that, God has made him Lord of all. And so this is scary news. Before it's good news, it's scary news. It's bad news to them because we killed him, but he's alive and he's our ruler. I mean, that's really bad news if you kill somebody, they're raised from the dead, and then you realize you walk into the court of the king and they're sitting on the throne alive and going to be your judge. And so Peter says, this is the position you're in. 
The one you killed, God overruled, raised him, and he's Lord of everything, including you who put him to death. Peter then moves on and says, but there's good news. Because God has not only made him Lord, he's also made him Messiah, Christ, Savior. Verse 36 again, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The word Christ is the Greek word Christos, which is the same thing as the Hebrew word Messiah. They're not two different words. They both mean the same thing. They mean one who's been anointed. And so he's saying, this Jesus whom you put to death has been anointed, and the Messiah is the Savior. And so this is where good news comes in, because God has raised him from the dead, and he is Lord, which would be a fearful prospect if he was not also Messiah, if he was not also Savior. So Jesus is also our Savior, so all is not lost. Maybe there's a way of forgiveness. Because the one who is Lord is also the one who is Savior, maybe there's a way I can plead for mercy regarding my sin and my culpability of putting him to death. And that leads to the next part of the narrative here in Acts, which is responding to the gospel call. The gospel call is, look, there's bad news and there's good news. Your death has put Jesus, your sins have put Jesus to death, and he is Lord of all, but he's also Savior. Then Now, how do I respond to that news? What what is it that I say or do uh, regarding that? Well, we see this in verse 37. Luke tells us, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So notice, Peter's message has its intended effect. These people are cut to the heart. They realize we are guilty of putting the Son of God to death, and God has raised him from the dead, and he is seated as Lord and Judge, but he is also the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. What what are we supposed to do? Peter, tell us what to do. They're cut to the heart by their sin and by their need for salvation. And notice what they do not do is they don't make excuses. Well, I didn't quite really realize who he was. That's not what I intended. I thought something else was going to happen out of this. I think it's somebody else you're talking about, Peter. There's not, I'm okay, you're okay, Peter. There's none of that, okay? What what they say is, hey, we realize this. We own up to it. We are cut to our hearts. They don't simply whistle in the dark. You know, you remember that old phrase, you know, you whistle in the dark, you know, you walk by the graveyard, and you, you hope if you just whistle loud enough, whatever's over there that you're afraid of, you'll just kind of get your mind off of and skip by. They don't do that. They realize we're, we're in trouble, and the trouble is real. And so rather than trying to ignore it, they do the only sane thing. They say, okay, then what do we do? What is the response? Is it that I have to go out and do all kinds of works? Maybe if I, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds? Maybe I go and I build a shrine? Maybe, what is it that you think I should do? But what we learn here is the response to God's law, our sin, and the gospel call is simply we admit our sin and we cry out for God's mercy. So what, what do you want me to do? We don't busy our hands with something else. The response, the first response is, what do we do? Well, the answer that comes back, the call, 
is, well, here's what you do. You repent. Notice verse 38. Peter replied, repent. Now, the first response to seeing our sin and need for salvation is to repent and believe the gospel. Notice Peter does not say when they, because they said, what do we do? So we might expect, given that question, well, here's a list of 10 things, and if you do these well enough, I'll talk to God about it. But that's not what Peter says. Even though their, their question kind of implied Peter's going to give them a list of actions, that's not how he answers. He answers and says, here's what you do. You repent. The word means to have a change of mind so that your, your direction is changed. You were ones who willingly participated in the crucifixion of the Messiah. You need to turn around from that. You need to repent from that. And this is the same message that Jesus himself preached. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, in the first recorded uh, summary of Jesus' teaching, we read this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. What do you think the word good news is? What's, what's the other thing we call that word? Gospel. Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of God. And here it is. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. So the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom, which is the same thing Peter said. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus said it's the gospel of the kingdom. God is the ruler, and he is here. And so what does Jesus say we ought to do? Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the gospel. So the gospel includes the kingdom, God's rulership overall, and the call is the same one that Peter gave to that message, which is you repent, you, you turn from your sin, and you believe, you embrace God, that there are two halves of the same coin. And so the first response to the gospel is always repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe what Greg was talking about at the end of our singing time today, that God has shown mercy to us, mercy we can't even grasp, that we are going to spend eternity trying to grasp. So our first response is not run off and do something. Our first response is simply repent and believe, embrace the gospel. And we repent and we believe the good news. And anything else, if we try to do other things first, that is salvation by works. If the response to what must we do lists nine steps, we are doing salvation by works. It's repent and believe. Because Christianity is not what you do, it is what God has done. And then anything we talk about do flows out of what God has done, and it is our response as those who have already been saved, not to get ourselves saved. And so Peter, in line with Jesus, says, here's what you do, you repent. You, you believe what I'm saying, and you repent uh, of your sins. But then notice he moves on, and he says, be baptized. This is the initial act of obedient faith. Those who've repent and believe, well, what do we do? Well, we get baptized. This is in verse 38. So baptism flows from our repentance. Notice here, he says, repent and be baptized. And I challenge you, look it up in your Bible, you will never find anywhere the command, be baptized and then repent. You will never find the command, be baptized, and later on you'll believe. It is always repentance, belief, faith, then water baptism. Because 
Our salvation is dependent upon our faith, not upon our water baptism. So water baptism flows out of faith, not we are baptized and then faith will come later. Water baptism is not what brings us into relationship with God. It is an act of obedient faith that has already made us children of God. So I become a child of God. Paul says you are already children of God through faith in Christ Jesus in the book of Galatians. I become a child of God through faith, not through water baptism. Water baptism is a sign for those who are already children of God by faith. Those who have already repented, those who have already believed the gospel are then water baptized. It is always that order. Now, baptism is also, furthermore, the normal response of those who believe. That's why Peter doesn't say, repent. And then six months from now, I'll talk to you about water baptism. Repent and then get baptized, because this is the, the first thing. When faith comes, faith immediately is seeking good works to do. It is immediately seeking ways to express itself, and Peter says, here's the first way it expresses itself. It climbs into the water. It climbs into the waters of baptism. So it's not just repent, but repent and be baptized. And notice he also stresses here in verse 38, repent and be baptized, how many of you? Every one of you. Well, how about if we just do it, you know, we'll take every 10th one, because, I mean, there are going to be 3,000 of these people, so, you know, that's a lot of people. Is it, is it ever that way in the Scripture? Every one of you. If you have repented and believed the gospel, you are to be water baptized. Um, and then he says, notice in verse 41, this is the summary we're not going to look at the later verses a lot, but he says, those who accepted his message that day, so those who repented and believed, those who accepted his message were baptized, all of them. So if you, if you repent and believed, you were baptized. And if you didn't repent and believe, you weren't baptized. There's not another group of, well, I want to repent and believe, but I'm kind of not into that baptism thing. You accept the message, you're baptized. And 3,000 of them are that day and come down to the waters of baptism. Now, why is this? Peter continues and he explains this to us because baptism is a public declaration of our union with Christ. This is where the believer, the one who has believed, repented and believed, says, I am united with Jesus Christ and I am making a declaration of my unity with Jesus Christ. So Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. We're, we're baptized in the name of Jesus because of our unity with him. Baptism is a public declaration that we are disciples of Christ. We are no longer his enemies. We are the ones who put him on the cross. We are the ones who nailed him there. We are the ones who by our sins raised him up and put him to death. But in water baptism, we are saying, no, I turn from that. I am no longer, that me is dead. I turn, I die in the waters of baptism. I am raised to new life because I am no longer the enemy of God. Because of Jesus Christ, I am now the friend of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. The triune God is mine because of the gospel. And that's what water baptism is about. It is a public identification that we are now disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And so 
Peter links this again back to the gospel, and he, he says in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Now, he's not saying baptism confers forgiveness, because it does not. We're quite clear in the scripture, and you can look at, first off, everybody in the old covenant has their sins forgiven without being water baptized, the thief on the cross, etc. We can go on that, but the point is, Christ confers forgiveness, but baptism is a public sign of that. What I'm again declaring is, I was one whose sins put Christ to death. I am united with him, and I am declaring I'm on his side. I'm dead to that man. We're also saying that I had my sins, and God has forgiven them in Christ, and water baptism is a, is a public declaration. My sins are washed away. My sins have been cleansed because of Jesus Christ. And so water baptism is a visible display of the gospel. Our sins are forgiven as we are united with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus who was alive, was dead, was buried, was raised, and we are united with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We are raised out of the water and we live a new life. And so Finally, the last point Peter makes is baptism is the expected response of everyone responding to God's call. If you think through the points we've made, we are all guilty of the death of Christ. He is Lord and Christ, and therefore we say, what must we do? And we repent, we believe the good news, we are united with Christ in the waters of baptism, declaring that we are his disciples, we are followers of him. It's an outward visible symbol of the gospel and the fact that we've been forgiven of sins, then there's no one who would say, well, I want all of that, but I'm going to skip the baptism step. It wouldn't make any sense. So Peter tells us baptism is the expected response of everyone. Notice in verse 39, it says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter's saying, this isn't just about you few who are standing in front of me, no matter who it is. You got children, you got children who live here or children that live far away. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone whom God calls, this promise is for you. You are guilty of the death of Christ. Repent, believe the good news, climb into the waters of baptism. That promise is for everyone who our God will call, not just for their time and their place, for our time and our place. This applies to everyone who God in his grace calls to salvation. That scripture Greg read, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins and God made us alive, our eyes should open and say, where's the water? I, I wanna symbolize what God has done to me. I was dead, I now am alive. I was covered in my sins, they have been washed away. I receive the grace of God. And baptism is the way new obedient disciples express their faith in all times, all places, and all cultures. So, how do we apply the word? Well, there are two questions, and then we're gonna have a visible application of the word is why it's gonna come down here and apply the word. First question, have you heard and responded to the gospel call? Cannot stress this enough. It is not they who are guilty of crucifying Christ. It is you 
and it is me. We all stand there and say, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucify, both Lord and Christ. We're guilty of it. He died because of our sin. And he is raised and is Lord over all things. And that means he is going to judge all things, including all people, including you and me. We are going to stand there before him. And that, friends, is very, very bad news. Unless we have embraced the gospel. Unless we have been united with him. Unless his death has taken the place of our death. Unless his resurrection becomes our resurrection. And that's the good news. He offers forgiveness if we believe. So notice on that day, the people did not. Here's not the response. That's an interesting point. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to go home and get me some lunch, and I'll think about that. If you've heard the gospel, you are sliced to the heart. I remember when it happened to me. Been in church for several months. I had not been raised in the faith, but I'd been in church several months. And I remember I was actually, I was in a Bible study for the holy reason of chasing a girl, but I was there. And we went to a David Wilkerson crusade, and I remember praying that I had some friends who were not as religious as me, because I was getting pretty religious. And I was praying, and it was almost like I felt Jesus sit down to me and put his arm around me and said, how about if we talk about you first? cut to the heart. And then I'm watching people, because it was the day of crusade, I'm watching people throw drugs on the stage, and there's needles going up there, and I'm like, I'm not like that, Lord. <laughs> you know, maybe I don't have this problem. No, you have this problem. Do you repent? Do you believe? And on that day, January 1978, yes, Lord, I repent. I believe the good news, because it had cut to my heart. Has this message cut you to the heart? Have you responded and re by repenting of your sin and believing the gospel? That our naked hope, we have no plan B. Plan C, not a part to it. There's not even a one B. This is it. Jesus. Jesus and what? Jesus. But, but are you going to ask, Jesus, that's my plan. I'm going to swing out into eternity on that hope. I'm going to stand before God naked except for Jesus. That's it. Have you responded in that way? I urge you, if you have not, repent and believe the good news today. Second question, if you have responded to the gospel call, have you been baptized? Everyone who believes should be baptized. If you believe, have you been water baptized? Parents, I want to speak to you specifically. If you have children who have believed, have they been water baptized? Because again, 
Peter doesn't say, well, repent and believe, and then we'll talk about baptism, you know, 10 years from now. You repent and you believe, have you been water baptized? It is an essential part of discipleship. It's the initial act of obedient faith. That's the way the scripture looks at it. Those whose eyes have been opened to the gospel who have responded, it's, it's the first step of a disciple, not a step that comes far later. And there is no reason for us to wait with that. With each of my own kids, I remember when they, I don't think any of our kids were more than eight years old at the oldest when they were water baptized. Most of them were around six. I made sure they understood the gospel. We definitely worked to try and labor and do that. But that was the fruit of everything we had been working for. And it was a joyous day to have them come into the waters of baptism. So this is not talk to your 19-year-old. If your child has repented and believed the good news, you need to be working with them on that. We'll give you materials. We will help. I will sit down with you and do it with you with them. But have we talked to our kids about water baptism? If you're here and you're not a child, but adult, and you've not been water baptized, why not? Call. And do not, let me, let me say this, there is a thing, I don't like being in front of people. Okay? Christ was crucified publicly for you and for me. And this is the first act of discipleship. Let me give you a bit of bad news. There's going to be a lot harder things than getting wet in front of a group of people, which most of us have done anyway inside swimming pools and other things. Okay? Discipleship is going to require far more than that, particularly the way our world is going. There's going to be all kinds of opportunities we're going to have to be disciples and practice the cost of discipleship. Don't give in to other excuses. It's a simple command. And here's the good news, and I love this, because this is for all of us. There are some things that we try to do that are really hard. If I told you, I want you to take this Eric Clapton guitar solo and play it for me, other than Mark Paul, we're all in big trouble. Big trouble. And it's hard. It's technically difficult. This is not that. This is simple. Anybody can do it. I remember a number of years ago when somebody had repented and believed they were Jewish. They were actually on their deathbed. They had tubes all over them. We couldn't even get them out of the bed, but they expressed through the little bit that they could talk, I want to be baptized and I want to take communion. And so we did. In that case, we couldn't even put them in a tank. We just poured some water on them and they choked trying to get down, but they were saying, I believe. I have made fun of this my whole life, and I now believe I want to be baptized. Friends, that's what we need to do. So at this moment, I'm going to go ahead and call Wyatt down, and there are some other folks that are going to come down, and what we're going to do is we are going to pray for him, uh, a few friends. We've got some mids here with him today, and Ryan Jackson's going to come down. Unfortunately, Lauren is not here. Uh, Lauren is actually Wyatt's company officer. <laughs> and uh, so she's very excited that he's doing this, even though she can't order him to do it. But <laughs> she's very excited. But, uh, and, and also, Seth and Danielle are walking in their faith. And I want to thank this man. I'll give Wyatt a chance to do it. But, but Seth was part of Wyatt becoming a believer. This is how the faith spreads. 
And so we're going to pray for him. And I want to tell you, it, it's a joy for me to get to hang out with this guy and talk because he's excited about what God is doing in his life. And, and that is good for us. So we're going to pray for him. And he's going to get in the water and express his faith. And we're going to have a water baptism. And if you've not been baptized, see me. If you have been baptized, do as the Puritan said, improve upon your baptism. Remember what it was. It's a declaration. I am no longer owned by sin. I'm owned by Jesus Christ. So I'll give a chance here for these guys to pray. Father God, we thank yes, you so Lord. much for everything that you've done in Wyatt's yes, life. Lord. I pray that uh, as he takes this step of faith, this public proclamation mm -hmm. of his faith, that you will bless him even more than you ever mm -hmm. have, that you will continue to show him your face and your attributes, and that he will just yes, run Lord. to you with everything that he has. Mm -hmm. I will pray that you will send people into his life that need your love, and then he will have the courage and the boldness to proclaim you in your name and the sacrifice that you made for us. God, we know that you are a good God and that you are looking out for us, and I pray that as Wyatt continues throughout his life, you will guide his feet and make clear the path that you have laid out for him. God, we love you, and, and we can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for us. So, God, we, the only thing we can do is obey the commandments that you've laid out before us. And that's exactly what Wyatt is doing today. So we thank you for, for being good and for being a constant in our life, God. Lord, I just thank you for the impact Wyatt's made in all our lives. And I thank you for the empathetic and compassionate nature you've given him. And I pray for all those that come to him with and trust him with their troubles that, Lord, you just speaking through him to them and that they may just run to you and that he may just lead them to the right scripture and um, Lord you'll just work in his heart and for their betterment. Lord I pray that Wyatt never just be conformed to this word and to this world and I pray that um, he always just seek you in everything that he do does and seek your will and all that he does and I pray that when he goes out into the fleet and he goes out into whatever job that the Navy may give him that people just see you and him and see that there's something different and ask him about his faith and ask him why he is the way he is and why just be bold in his faith and be strong in his faith and ask you for the right things to say and just always seek you in everything that he does. Lord, I thank you for um, the strong rock that you've been in Wyatt's life and I thank you for um, all the ways that you have communicated with him and the ways that he hasn't seen your um, communication yet. I pray that he just always seeks you in everything that he does, and his heart is always yearning for you and yearning for um, the love that you give him. Lord, I pray that when Wyatt goes home or when he goes back to the academy, people ask him what happened this weekend and ask him about his faith and um, Wyatt just finds the words through you to say, and um, he just always looks to you and looks to you for guidance. Lord, thank you for the um, blessing that Wyatt has been in all of our life. Lord, we just thank you just that you're omnipotent and omnipresent and that your power provided Jesus Christ for us to be able to die on the cross and save us, Lord, that we're able to accept him into our hearts and we're able to receive the Holy Spirit. We're just excited that you're also omnipresent, you're always with us, and that as uh, Wyatt is baptized here today and receives the gift of the Holy Spirit that we talked about in Acts, that he remembers that, Lord, as he goes out and continues in his walk with you, Lord. I ask that as he begins his Naval career, when he graduates from the Naval Academy, that you're just with him when he has those hard times on those hard deployments. 
that he knows that he still has the Holy Spirit and that he remembers this baptism. I also ask that you, for those that are here that have been baptized, that we remember the times that we are baptized and the acceptance that we have for you, Lord. And I just ask that you remind us of your, of your scripture, Lord, with Romans 10.10, where you talk about us proclaiming with our mouth and just showing you that we love you, Lord. And baptism is a way to do that. And let it not just be uh, a beginning step, but just an entire journey that Wyatt has with you, Lord, that he just continues to proclaim with his mouth through his actions to Lord, that he accepts you and he knows that you are our Lord and Savior. In Jesus Christ. Father, we are excited to see the faith sprout up and grow in Wyatt's life. Lord, we are grateful that he has been raised from the dead, Father, and that the faith resides in him. Lord, we pray that as he goes into the waters of baptism today in obedience, that, Lord, the old man would be left behind, that he would rise and walk in newness of life. And as Peter promised on that day, Father, I pray for a fresh infusion of your Holy Spirit. I pray for the gifts of the Spirit of God to be given and to be stirred up within Wyatt. Father, that he would know who you have made him to be, what your call upon him is, what gifts you have placed within him, and that, Father, those gifts would be used both inside and outside of the church. That, Father, by thought and word and deed, he would give testimony to Jesus Christ who has loved and who has saved him. Father, I pray for your great blessing to be upon him as he walks in this obedience today. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Why don't you uh, go ahead and you can climb into the water here. And I'm going to give you a chance before I even ask you the question. Is there anything you wanted to just say? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, thank you, everyone, for this uh, amazing opportunity and being here to support me in this this walk. Uh, it's it's really incredible looking back at how the steps that have taken to get to this point. And and I thank you, uh, thank you for all the love that everyone here shows me. Okay, Wyatt, do you believe that you're going to get to heaven because your good works outweigh your bad works? No. Why do you think that you can be saved? Because of Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus lived for you, died for you, and has been raised for you? Yes. Do you trust that him and his righteousness and his salvation alone is sufficient for you? Yes. Why do you want to be water baptized? I want to obey Jesus' commands. Amen. An excellent answer. May we all... Wyatt, based on your faith, slide this way a little bit. Based on your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by the command and the authority of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Buried with him in baptism, you are raised with him through your faith in the power of God to live in your life. Amen. You have to you come out over here. I'm going to do the benediction in a moment. As always, I encourage you, you can give Wyatt a hug. You'll get a little bit wet, but you will dry off. And it is really, really good. Let's stand together. And we are going to conclude with the word of benediction. 
Wyatt has just gone into the waters and been united with Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, and I'm going to now speak the words that God gave us in benediction to place the name of God upon us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord and Messiah of all. Go in the peace of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.